0: Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo.
2: All right, welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show, right here inside FanSided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Of course, I'm Matt Lombardo, Fansided's National NFL Insider. Football is back. And so are we. Training camps are now open around the NFL, news is breaking at a fast and furious pace around the league, and we have a big show on tap for you. Joining us in just a few minutes, Dallas Cowboys Hall of Famer, soon to be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Drew Pearson will join us to talk about his career, some of the top wide receivers around the league, his prognosis for the NFC East, and a whole lot more. We have a lot to get into, a lot of quarterback news breaking around the NFL, and you know That This is a quarterback-driven league, so we're going to touch on all of it inside of this podcast, but before we get to all of that, if you like what you hear on the podcast, I'd really love it if you would go ahead in the Apple Podcast Store, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, all of your favorite podcast platforms, and subscribe to the Stacking the Box podcast. You get Mark Carman and Matt Verderam on Tuesdays and the Matt Lombardo Show each and every Friday, and I would really appreciate it if you go in and left a five-star review for the podcast let me know what you like about the podcast, what you don't like, and some guests that you might want to hear, and I'll go try to get them on. But quarterbacks drive the NFL to the most important position in all of sports, and certainly through the first week of training camp, news about some of the biggest names and the brightest stars at the position around the NFL have really become the biggest stories of this week. And let's start with the biggest story of the offseason, kind of reaching its crescendo this week. That, of course, is Aaron Rodgers and everything that was going on with Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers throughout the course of this offseason. Of course, earlier this week, you had on Monday afternoon the report come out from ESPN's Adam Schefter that Aaron Rodgers planned on returning to the Green Bay Packers, that the Green Bay Packers had made some major concessions on his contract, and that one final time, one final ride with Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers would be on the horizon in 2021. was a big move on the Packers' part. And, and you think about everything that they did this week, I think they realized all of the. Pressure that Rodgers had on them, all of the leverage that Rodgers had long-term. Because you think about what Green Bay did. They went ahead and they voided the final two years of his contract. They went ahead and essentially had a wink-wink, handshake agreement with Rodgers that they won't use the franchise tag, they won't use the transition tag, and after this year, they'd be willing to trade him anywhere in the league and let him pick his destination. I think that's the right end to this story for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, because if this offseason had taught us anything, it's that this relationship had run its course and that Rodgers, when he's over a situation, when he's over a relationship, there's really no turning back. Now, he came in, he's being a good soldier, so to speak, through training camp, and as long as he stays healthy... He's an MVP caliber quarterback at this stage of his career. There's no getting around that. And this is a roster that has the potential to go out and compete for a Super Bowl berth this year and give Rodgers the chance to win his second Super Bowl ring on the way out the door, on the way out of Titletown. And then as I wrote in my column a couple of weeks ago on fansided.com, Rodgers then would have the leverage and the ability to go out and pick his next destination very similar to what Tom Brady did when he left New England and went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we all saw how that worked out with him going to and winning a Super Bowl and then Tampa Bay keeping all 22 starters in place in their title defense. More on the Buccaneers later on the podcast. But when it comes to the Packers, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, This is the best possible outcome for all parties involved. I'm talking about Mark Murphy. I'm talking about Brian Gutekunst. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking about the Green Bay Packers fans. Because you now have one final year with Aaron Rodgers with a championship-caliber roster around him. You have a potential quarterback in the future in Jordan Love. And maybe he still gets a decent amount of reps through the preseason and through training camp practices. Because if you're the Packers, if you're Aaron Rodgers, do you really need to be out there in preseason? Do you really need to risk injury before the season starts other than maybe a series or two here and there? There's nothing stopping the Packers from putting Jordan Love out there in the three preseason games with Devontae Adams, with Aaron Jones, and with the newly acquired Randall Cobb. In the trade from the Houston Texans, a move that was made completely to placate Aaron Rodgers. So the Packers have gone from this wedge and driving a wedge between the organization and their franchise quarterback and bending over backwards to do everything possible to make this season go off without a hitch and facilitate Rodgers making one last run. But long term. Rodgers has to be happy because he has the flexibility to go out and pick his next destination, which was the goal all along. This is what this was all about. It was about control. It was about the long-term vision. And it was about Rodgers figuring out where he wanted to finish out the final chapter of his career. And then you think about the Packers. They have the opportunity this summer to evaluate Jordan Love and figure out if they need to move forward with Jordan Love in 2022 and beyond if they can use him to trade him coming off of a strong preseason. We've seen franchises do this all the time that they draft a quarterback, they showcase the quarterback in the summer, and when a Super Bowl-caliber team has their quarterback get hurt, guess what? They flip him for the best offer in August to early September. So the Packers have optionality here. Rodgers has optionality. Everybody wins. That's the biggest story this week in the NFC. But if you look at the AFC, because if you look what happened in Houston this week, Deshaun Watson showing up at training camp on time and being on the field for the first practice of Texans training camp was one of the more disappointing moments of the entire offseason. It was an abject failure of leadership on the part of Roger Goodell on the part of the Houston Texans, and it just sends uh, the wrong message to the rest of the league, to fans, to women everywhere, about everything that's going on in Deshaun Watson's life right now. Because if you just look at what's happening, I just can't believe that Goodell and the NFL haven't put Watson on the commissioner's exempt list. Because you're talking about 22 civil suits of women claiming some really heinous allegations of sexual misconduct, you have pending legal investigations into Deshaun Watson's off-the-field conduct. And I understand and I know that the Texans have had some really dark days. The end of the Bill O'Brien era where he wasn't just the head coach, but he was the loudest leadership voice and the loudest personnel voice in the room, the most powerful figure in the Texans organization. I know Houston went downhill in a hurry, trading away DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of practice balls and some iced coffee Everything surrounding Nick Casario and all of the controversy surrounding the relationship between the incoming GM and Watson and the rest of the locker room. But Watson showing up and being on the field that day on day one was a new low for the Texans. There's no real getting around that. And look, David Cawley is doing the best that he can to manage the situation. I actually think putting him on scout team defense and wearing a hoodie was the right way to handle it. Because you don't want him out there taking all the first team reps at quarterback. It just sends the wrong message. And I don't even blame Deshaun Watson because him showing up He avoids the $50,000 per day fine from being away. It's not his prerogative to stay away and forfeit that money. But for the Houston Texans not to suspend him for conduct detrimental, for them not to tell him to stay away, for Roger Goodell not to put him on the commissioner's exempt list pending an investigation into everything that's happening with Watson off the field – To me, it feels like a mistake. It it feels like a misstep on the part of the league and on the part of the Texans. And if you look elsewhere in the AFC South, another team going through quarterback issues right now are the Indianapolis Colts and Carson Wentz. And of course, the Carson Wentz trade was one of the bigger movements in the NFL, where you had Wentz going from Philadelphia to the Colts in that trade back in January. But Wentz shows up at training camp, has a couple of nice days. He saw the highlights, the the deep bombs down the field. Colts fans all excited about what their offense might look like with Carson Wentz. And now he has the foot injury. He's He's undergoing further testing. He's out indefinitely. And if he misses time, this is the big kicker about this story, that if Wentz misses significant time, the Colts will keep their first-round pick. Remember, one of the provisions and one of the conditions of the trade with the Eagles was that if Wentz plays 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps or 70% of the snaps and Indianapolis makes the postseason, then the Colts throw in a first-round pick into the trade. That's now up in the air. That's now a murky situation for the Eagles in terms of what they would get in return for Wentz in this trade, and now all of a sudden that deal doesn't look so warm and fuzzy. Now listen, for the Eagles, they got out from underneath Wentz. They did what they had to do to move on. That marriage had run its course. And certainly it really, in my opinion, it created a change of scenery for Carson Wentz. But that change of scenery doesn't necessarily mean immediate success. Even with Frank Reich, even in a new situation with one of the top five offensive lines in the league and T.Y. Hilton and Jonathan Taylor and all the weapons that he has at his disposal – That doesn't automatically make Carson Wentz a top 10 quarterback in this league. That doesn't automatically make the Indianapolis Colts a playoff team in a division with the Tennessee Titans in a conference with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens with Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Carson Wentz now has a lengthy injury history on top of everything with the whispers that came out of that locker room in Philadelphia. The fact that he was not well-liked towards the end by his teammates. The fact that, as I've told you time and time again on the podcast that I've written in the column a few different times, that coaches inside that building acknowledge that Carson Wentz was reticent to hard coaching. He re- He responded best in terms of his performance to when coaches were on him and on top of him and making the corrections and doing what they needed to coach him up in a very hard way. But Wentz didn't respond to it and didn't like it and pushed back against it. That doesn't change because you're reunited with Frank Reich. And if you're the Colts, you now have a quarterback who now has the foot injury but also has the torn ACL on his injury history, that also has the fractured ribs on his injury history, the back injury, the concussion, on and on and on. Those are now real concerns for Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts. And for the Eagles, they're watching this with an invested mindset that they need to see him get on the field because they need that first-round pick. Now, back in the NFC East, and we'll touch on this in a little bit with Drew Pearson from the Dallas Cowboys, soon-to-be Hall of Fame wide receiver. Can't wait for that conversation. But we'll touch on this with with Drew. Dak Prescott got hurt this week again. Now, again, it was just a shoulder strain. It wasn't that big of a deal. He's coming off of that fractured ankle that he suffered in week five against the New York Giants last year but I don't think the Cowboys should be too concerned about this they got him back on the field and it was kind of bizarre he was running around he didn't throw any passes but he was still on the practice field I kind of take the same mentality with Dak Prescott's injury right now that I have with Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants if Saquon Barkley doesn't play a snap during training camp, doesn't get on the field during the preseason, and the first time the Giants see Saquon Barkley is week one against the Denver Broncos, so be it. You're saving your injured running back coming back from a torn ACL, unnecessary, you know, miles on the tires. And if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you're keeping Dak Prescott in a little bit of a bubble, throughout the preseason and he's at the point of his career where he doesn't need the preseason reps and I think that you're going to see teams especially going into a 17 game season playing their starters less and less during the three preseason games this summer but if you're the Cowboys I don't think you have any concerns about Dak Prescott and the shoulder injury what's most important is that from a conditioning standpoint and from a timing standpoint in practice with Amari Cooper, with C.D. Lamb, with Michael Gallup, with Ezekiel Elliott, with all of those weapons, Dalton Schultz at tight end, that he has the timing down. And you can get that in practice. You don't need it in games. So if you don't see Dak Prescott in the preseason, don't worry. He's still going to pass for over 4,000, 4, yards or more if he stays healthy. And I'm not going to panic about Saquon Barkley in New York the same way I might be concerned about Carson Wentz right now in Indianapolis. A lot more coming up. On the other side, Drew Pearson, Dallas Cowboys legend, soon-to-be Pro Football Hall of Famer, joins me next right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside fan-sided Stacked in the Box podcast feed. The Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package includes their brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Fellas, do the right thing here and do the right thing by your balls, and join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going with the promo code FANSIDED20. The world is starting to open, and the performance package 4.0 for Manscaped is here to help you you get ready. Inside, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reliever, toner. Plus two free gifts, a performance boxer brief set and the shed travel bag. You don't want to leave home without a good travel bag. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code fansided20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped.
1: Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a Pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show, and this should be a lot of fun. Joining me right now, Dallas Cowboys legend, soon to be Pro Football Hall of Famer, wide receiver Drew Pearson joins us. You can follow him on Twitter at 88DrewPearson. Drew, how's it going, man? Thanks for taking a few minutes today.
0: Uh, You got it. It's going great. Just uh, doing the final countdown, crossing the uh, T's and dotting the I's uh, as we prepare to head up to uh, Canton, me and my family. So it's all exciting right now.
2: Yeah, it's Uh, certainly an exciting time for you, and I really appreciate you taking a few minutes with us today, Drew. And I just wanted to right out of the chute congratulate you on your upcoming enshrinement. It's certainly been a long time coming, and, you know, now that you're getting a gold jacket, every member of the 1970s All-Decade team is officially a Hall of Famer. What are your emotions about all of this heading into next week?
0: Well, you know, the emotions range in a variety of uh, different uh, ranges. (laughs) Let me put it like that. you know, you go from joy, to happiness, elation, uh, knowing that you're going into the uh, pro, pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, then you go through emotions with uh, sadness. And uh, as I was writing my final uh, speech just a few uh, uh, minutes ago, it's, it's due today, the final version of my, my acceptance speech. Uh, you know, it brought tears to my eyes, just what I was writing. And so it's going to bring those, it brings that kind of emotion out of you as well. And what you do is you think about the journey that got you to where you are, all the things you had to deal with, overcome, the way you did it, Uh, it Was none of it was easy. I'm proud to say I did it the hard way. I had bumps, bruises, scrapes, scars and everything, but I I own them all because they're all part of my my journey. And so uh, that's the kind of things you think about at this point. And uh, you just get excited about getting around the guys and, and uh, being a Hall of Famer, getting that gold jacket and making it all official.
2: Now, I won't ask you for any spoilers on the speech. That's always one of the highlights watching every year. What everybody has to say as they're about to get fitted for the gold jacket and posing alongside their bust. But take me through the moment when you got the call. What was that like? Where were you? Who was around you? And, and what's your biggest memory from that moment?
0: Well, the biggest memory uh, to answer that first is hearing those words from Mr. David Baker saying that I've gone to senior nominee uh, for the class of 2021, to pro football hall of fame. That was the biggest memory. That's what sticks out more than anything, but also the way it went down is a big memory as well uh, on January 25th. I was summoned along with Roger Staubach uh, to the star, the Cowboys facility for a meeting with Jerry Jones and Roger and I got there at the same time. And I usually can read my quarterback and, you know, the <laughs> telepathy that we had on the field. You know, you knew what he wanted. He knew what I wanted. Uh, but in this situation, walking into that building, I couldn't read anything. I didn't know what it was about, the meeting. I thought it might have something to do with real estate, <laughs> uh, maybe getting me involved in some of the deals that they're, they're doing.
2: And Drew, I feel like you zigged when you should have zagged there.
0: I know. I know. and. Uh, you know, just the 40, uh, just a month earlier it was the 45th uh, anniversary of the Hail Mary catch. So in Hail Mary place, so I thought maybe have something to do with that. But eventually we got into the meeting room with Mr. Jones and they're talking. He and Roger talking. And they're talking just general banter. Uh, and I was wondering why I was there at that point. And then all of a sudden there was a knock at the door. And um, uh, Mr. Jones said, Drew, go answer the door and I went and answered the door, and bam, there was David Baker, the biggest man you ever want to see sometimes, you know, and he filled up that, excuse me, he filled up that door well, and I knew he wasn't coming to bring me bad news, because he did, he better protect his knees, because I would have taken him out right then and there, (laughs) but anyway, it was good news, and I was excited about it, and then I look across the room, and there's Roger and Jerry Jones, both uh, grinning like they ate the canary, or something like that, and uh, it was a great moment and I'm glad they did it that way. Other guys, they went to their house to do it and all that, but, you know, this is the Dallas Cowboys. We do things a little different and especially if Mr. Jerry Jones is involved in any kind of thing, you know, we're going to try to do it in a way where the Cowboys can maximize it, uh, uh, to the, to the best. And that's what they did. So I, I was happy they did it that way. Had a hall of famer, Jerry Jones included in that. And then a Hall of Famer, my quarterback, Roger Staubach, included as well.
2: Three Hall of Famers in the same room. I'm not sure how often that happens, Drew. Now, you know, you brought up Roger Staubach and how he was there. He was your quarterback, of course. And you tabbed him as your presenter. How excited are you metaphorically to catch one more pass from your quarterback as he opens up the doors of the Hall of Fame for you? And I like
0: the way you put that. Catch like one that. more pass from my quarterback. You That's
2: might it. want to write that into the speech. Yeah, and, you know, give, give, give me a that. wink as you're giving the speech in Canton Drew.
0: Yeah, that's pretty profound. I like that. (laughs) I'm going to write that down. Give me a minute. I'm writing this down. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) No, I'm excited about having Roger present me. You know, I thought about this this long and hard. Uh, If they were with us, there's no question it'd be Coach Landry. He'd be my first choice. I'm not a I'm not in the NFL. I don't make the Cowboys if it wasn't for his system, allowing a guy like me to have the opportunity to succeed. Uh, And then my best friend on the team was Harvey Martin. We were roommates for 11 seasons. Me, Harvey Martin, and Billy Joe Dupree came into the league together. Uh, We call ourselves the decade plus one boys. We played 11 seasons, and we all retired at the same time for different reasons, but we all retired at the same time. So I'm thinking maybe Harvey Martin, if he was with us, God rest his soul, you know, I would definitely uh, want him to be part of that presentation. And then I'm thinking about my kids. I got three adult kids, and they would do a great job. There were seven of us kids growing up. I got one sister left. She's an older sister. She would do a great job. But you know, Matt, I went to a charity function for Charles Haley, and Cliff Harris was there. And we got to talking about the hall. And I said, hey, Cliff, who's going to be your presenter? And he said, duh. He said, Charlie Waters. And I said, duh. That sounds perfect. That sounds right. And then I started thinking, duh. My presenter should be Roger Staubach. And so that's when I started going in that direction and and uh, went and uh, met with Roger to ask him to be my presenter. And uh, he accepted, of course. And it was a great moment, you know, because he, both of us knew and know the path we took to get to where we are. You know, he's an a, a only child, a Catholic from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm one of seven kids, a Baptist from. South of New Jersey, and uh, we connected to form one of the greatest plays in NFL history, certainly the greatest play in Cowboy history. And, you know, and now to have him present me into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know, that takes me full circle, I think. So there's no question Roger Staubach is going to be my presenter, and I couldn't have any uh, more uh, uh, person, more valuable person to my journey. Uh, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame than Rogers, so I'm going to catch one more pass from my quarterback, Roger Staubach.
2: There you go. I'm looking forward to hearing that line next week. <laughs> All so, right, Drew, I'm let's
0: try to put it in there. I, I love try it. worked it in.
2: I love it, Drew. Let's fast forward to a team that's near and dear to your heart today, the Dallas Cowboys, of course. They get Dak Prescott back after that injury last year, and he has the long-term contract, so they made him whole over this offseason, and it seems like he's already a little bit banged up in training camp, but not a whole lot to be worried about. I've said it before on this podcast. I've written it a few different places. You know, I really think that in a 17-game season, he pushes for 5,000 yards if he can stay healthy. But you watching Dak Prescott, you're probably around him and closer to him than I am. What's his ceiling if he plays all 17 games? How good can he be and how good could Dallas be this year?
0: You know, at this point in his career and what he's been through to this point and thinking about some of the success he's had, you know, and some of the disappointments, of course, but, you know, especially the injury. uh, I think he's at a point where he's going to really turn the corner and and break out. You know, he's been a Pro Bowl quarterback in the past. He's taken us to the playoffs in the past. But uh, because of his maturity and what he went through with the injury, uh, his rehab, uh, he's going to be stronger physically than he ever was. Mentally going through something like that toughens you up as well, uh, and just the experience he has playing the game on the prof- professional football level—you know—more of that will come to come to the top, uh, come to fruition, and uh, lead lead the offense to a lot better success. You know, before Dak got hurt, you know, last season, we were moving that ball, we were we were scoring points. Unfortunately, our defense wasn't stopping too many people. But the offense was doing a great job. And now we got Tyron Smith healthy again. He went through off-season surgery. Zach Martin, back to him, his old self, uh, from what I hear in training camp, he went through off-season surgery. Uh, Lyle Collins, he went through off-season surgery. And all these guys I'm mentioning played through injuries last season. Uh, Tyron Smith only played two games because of injuries. So we get these guys back in the offensive line, and then, you know, I'm reading in today's Dallas Morning News. I'm still one of the few guys that gets a paper delivered to me every morning.
2: Good for uh, you. Keep journalism <laughs> alive. I love it.
0: Amen. Amen. But uh, the headlines read on the front page of the sports day, other than Luka Doncic and what he did and the Big 12 fighting a war that they can't win. The other headlines is everyone's watching Dak, but what it don't exhort Zeke, ignore Zeke. Okay. So that's another important part of uh, Dak's success. Is Zeke going to return to what he was before the season he had last season? And I understand he's rededicated himself in the offseason. He looks like Zeke, the Zeke that came in as a, a number one draft pick from Ohio State. He looks more in that kind of shape and that kind of condition. So hopefully he can get himself back on track. And again, that will help Dak in the offense if we got that running game going.
2: Yeah, and I kind of wanted to, you know. You don't have to worry about
0: Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's going to be okay.
2: For sure. And I kind of wanted to go in that direction next. You look at his supporting cast and you look at the weapons. Ezekiel Elliott, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper. They have one of the best offensive lines around. You just went through that and all the talent they have up front. But how does the Cowboys collection of skill players stack up with the rest of the league, in your opinion?
0: On offense?
2: For sure, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think we match up well with anybody. Our receiving core, you know, we talk about the big three. Uh, Cooper, he's having a little problem in camp uh, with his legs, and I don't understand that. You know, Matt, I played eleven seasons in the NFL. I strained a hamstring one day in practice on a Thursday. We were playing a Monday night football game, and I was able to get that back in shape good enough to play that game on Monday night and catch a bunch of passes against the Buffalo Bills and O.J. Simpson in that group. Uh, so, the thing, the point is. As a receiver, there's two things you really got to take care of. Number one is your legs. I mean, you got to stretch out. You got to do whatever you can to keep your legs limber, agile, in shape, to handle any kind of rigors that you're going to have running those pass routes that you're going to run, no matter what kind of surface it might be. And the other thing you have to take care of is your hands. You know, I played 11 seasons, never had a jam finger, never had a sprained thumb or, or a, a finger or anything like that. And I made a conscientious effort to take care of my legs and my hands. Look what happened to Des Bryant. Once he started getting hurt, his ankle, then his knee, you know, his career just dropped off the charts after that. He didn't take care of it. Once he got hurt, he didn't take care of it right. So the injury didn't compound itself, leading to another injury. So I'm a little disappointed in Mari Cooper when I hear he's having some leg issues. But I think he'll be okay by the time the season starts. And then you go to Gallup. I think Gallup's going to have a breakout season. He's more familiar with what's going on in the NFL uh, and what his abilities can bring. The offensive coaches know what he can bring to the game. And then C.D. Lamb, you know, the onus is on him to step up his game to the next level. Uh, All these teams, uh, coordinators in the NFL, they're going to play the Cowboys this season. They've been studying film on all these receivers, including C.D. Lamb, and they know what C.D. Lamb likes to run what he runs best, what he doesn't like to do, and all this kind of stuff. And so they're going to come at CD with all this information and trying to stop him. So he has to take his game to the next level, and I think he can. So those are the big three at wide receiver. But then you add a Noah Brown, who's been on the roster, what, four or five years. I mean, give him an opportunity to contribute, and he can contribute. Then another guy, number 11, Cedric Wilson. Every time he gets an opportunity, whether it's kick return, punt return, In the offense, he comes through. So give him some more reps. And I think that'll open up the offense. But, and then you go to the backfield and, uh, you know, you got Zeke back there and uh, Tony Pollard. Uh, So we're well situated there with that talent. So when you look at the offense, I think we're strong. You know, the weakness is uh, depth in the offensive line, the other weakness might be at quarterback. You know, your backup now is, uh, uh, was it Gilbert? Gary yep. Gilbert, or Gary something Gilbert, like yep, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Ben Ben uh, So you know, you might ha- not have that quality uh, uh, at depth at quarterback, but everywhere else on the offense, I think we're we're heads uh, we're we're just as good as anybody else in the uh, NFL, as far as you know. Let's put it like that.
2: Sure. True. Did they do enough on defense, though? They go ahead to take Micah Parsons at number 12. He's a real difference maker. I think he has a chance to be the defensive rookie of the year, probably the favorite to win that award. They go out, they sign Jordan Lewis, they bring in C.J. Goodwin, and they load up up front with Kelvin Joseph, Osa Adeguza, Chauncey Galston. Every pick was on defense in the draft, so you knew they went in looking to build up that defense. Did they do enough, and do you think the Cowboys now have the pieces in place to be a respectable defense this year?
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned all those names because I couldn't tell you who they were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to hit the roster because it's all changed. It's all new over there, including the defensive coordinator. So hopefully the players that they brought in match what Dan Quinn is all about as far as his defensive coaching style. And we know some of that style you know, can be very effective like he was in Seattle with the, the uh, Legion of Doom and Boom, whatever they were you know, how effective they were, Super Bowl team and all that. Uh, so hopefully he can bring his style to the defense, but he has to fit his style to the personnel that's there. I think that's what Mike Nolan's mistake was. Mike Nolan was trying to fit the personnel that was there to fit his style. So many coaches fall into there, that trap.
2: Yeah, so many, so many coaches fall into that trap, especially absolutely. defensive coordinators.
0: Absolutely. You know, and, you know, the style that Dan Quinn created in Seattle uh, as a defensive coordinator was because of the great players he had on that defense. Then he goes to Atlanta. He doesn't have those same great players. Uh, Certainly he goes in as a head coach, but, you know, he has the influence on the defensive side of the football, but he doesn't have those same great players and he doesn't have the same kind of success. So hopefully he'll come in and try to uh, gear his uh, system to the talent that's there which Mike Nolan didn't do Mike Nolan was trying to force these players to th- his system and they just didn't have that talent to play that type of defense and so now on defense you had indecision you know do I go here do I go there who goes here who goes there that type of thing uh and the communication and all that so hopefully that's corrected this offseason yeah you can correct that with personnel but you also got to correct it correct it with your preparation and the style of defense that you play.
2: Drew, I'd be remiss having a Hall of Fame wide receiver on the program. If I didn't ask a few questions, at least about the wide receivers around the league right now. And I know you're a fan of the game. I know that you keep a close eye on the receivers across the NFL, looking into the 2021 season, who's your breakout wide receiver for this upcoming year? Who who do you have your sights set on?
0: Oh man. Um, I don't know. You know, I, these receivers today, you know, they catch a lot of balls, but they don't get upfield like we used to get upfield. You know, I finished my career with 16 yards a catch on 489 catches. Tony Hill finished 16.8 yards a catch in the same offense uh, on 479 catches during his career. So we we prided ourselves in getting upfield. I understand Michael Thomas is going through some injury uh, situations out there uh, in uh, uh, New Orleans. Peyton's a little upset with him because he delayed his surgery till now, which I don't understand uh, on uh, ankle surgery for a receiver. That should have been done right at the, uh, when the season ended uh, for him. Uh, but uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. I don't know if he can come back uh, Hopkins, you know, he can make some plays. He's going to get a lot of great opportunities because uh, Arizona with Colin is going to throw the football. Uh, But I guess I'm hemming and hawing because I really can't uh, name anymore. The guy that sticks out in my mind and uh, all the time when people ask me who's the best receiver, and they've been asking me for this for a long time, about 16 years or so, at least, I think. Uh, That's Larry Fitzgerald, you know. I give him all the props for uh, uh, having the longevity he's had at the position. That means he's taking care of himself. He's taking care of his legs and his hands. He's not missing games because of those types of injuries. Uh, and he's done it, uh, uh, you know, throughout his career with so many different coaches, head coaches, so many coordinators, so many different quarterbacks. And he's still there and uh, he's still making plays. Uh, so a lot and in of about five or six years,
2: years, he'll be joining you in Canton.
0: You got that right. And I'll be glad to accept him because he's certainly a Hall of Famer. But you know what? A guy I really like that doesn't get much publicity is up in Seattle. And I'm not talking about DK Metcalf. And he's the re- DK is the reason this other guy, Lockett, doesn't get the, the uh, recognition that he deserves. Look at his highlight tape. Look at yeah. some of the catches and routes that he runs. He's a bad dude. He's a little dude. He's not that big, especially compared to DK. But, man, this kid, this kid can play. So those are, you know, pretty much uh, some of the guys I see out there. Uh, And uh, but I'm all pro cowboy. Uh, (laughs) You know, I think we still got the best receiving core. And you throw our tight end, Darren Dalton Schultz in there. You know, he's been pretty effective uh, in training camp. So I'm still high on our guys as the, the top receiving group and some of the best receivers playing today in the NFL.
2: Oh, it's definitely a loaded collection of receiving talent for sure. But it's been a couple of really loaded draft classes that the receiver position too, Drew. You think about Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devante Smith coming in this year. Last year you had CeeDee Lamb, you had Justin Jefferson, a loaded class. Chase Claypool up in Pittsburgh, he looks legit. Who's the best of that bunch in your opinion?
0: Mm. (laughs) They're all good. They're all good. I like Judy. I like Claypool. I like them all. You know, all of that you've mentioned, uh, what they bring to the game is a little different style, a little more exciting game-breaking style to the game because they're not only great receivers, but their talent is not only limited to running pass routes and catching the ball, they, they could run. I mean, they're fast guys. And so with that speed, that gives them the ability to be, be game breakers. Uh, but yeah, Judy and, you know, all these guys that are coming in, they're making immediate impact. You know, they're giving... Uh, you know, they're getting opportunities to play nowadays, coming in as rookie. I didn't. Why do Why do you like, think
2: that is? Because you look at the last couple draft classes, and it seems like receivers are making such an easy transition from the college game to now. Why Why do you think that is right now?
0: Because the 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 offenses in the NFL are pretty much similar to what they run on a college level. You know, yeah. you're spreading it out, and they're you know they're used to that you know cd lamb you know at ou he's used to playing a slot receiver you know i played you know i never played the slot receiver anytime i was in the slot i was in motion you know so i never played but cd lamb comes in the league used to playing that kind of position then you put them in with the rest of the guys and spread them out you know these guys know to spread the fred off the spread offense and uh they're used to to uh that coming into the league and they're also used to catching the football because of the spread offense and because teams throwing the football more they're getting more opportunities to catch the football and so and then the talent you know the talent level so you know you look at some of these guys you mentioned they're not only the best guys on their team but they got other guys that are pretty good that are going to be playing in the nfl supporting them you know in the programs that uh, these colleges uh uh, a recruit nowadays. There's some great, some great talent out there. You know, I look at some of these catches these guys are making nowadays. I know a lot of them have the gloves on and all that kind of stuff, but it's a re- remarkable the athletic ability and the talent that they show nowadays and uh, the conditioning level, the size. And, you know, I don't know if I could could compete with these guys nowadays with their athletic ability and the talent that they have. Uh, You know, one of the reasons I didn't get drafted because I wasn't big, number one. Number two, I wasn't strong. I never lifted any weights, so I got into the NFL. And number three, I wasn't fast. I only ran a 4'6", 40. And so, you know, you look at these talents now, you got linebackers and linemen running a 4'6". Everybody lifts weights. Everybody's bulked up. Everybody's strong and physical. Uh, So, you know, I look at the game now, and I don't even know if I could have any success playing I'd probably have to try to find a way because, you know, that's just in my, my DNA, you know, to, to keep fighting. Uh, but I respect these guys that they come, that are coming into the league now and the talent they're bringing. And the NFL needs that. We need shots in the arm. We need shots in the arm from the, the players, the talent, you know, to, you know, keep the fans interested, keep the game exciting. And uh, these guys bring excitement to the game for sure.
2: And you and Roger Staubach, you were one of the more underrated duos. You were a star. Roger Staubach's a Hall of Famer. You're both going in the Hall of Fame. But but nobody seems to bring you guys up when it comes to the greatest duos of all time. Really an underrated pairing. When you look around the league right now, who, in your opinion, would be an underrated quarterback-receiver duo going into this year?
0: <laughs> oh, man. Um uh... I don't know. I, you know, I don't mind. I didn't mind us being underrated or whatever, because, you know, we weren't all about that. I never declared myself Roger's go to guy. Our go to guy was predicated on the play called in the offense. If there were the 80 series, that's me. If the 70 series, that's tight end Billy Joe. If the 60 series, that's Tony Hill on the split end side. So, you know, it just depends on the play call who was going to be that go to guy. So, you know, it just happened to be in clutch situations or key situations, uh, third down situations where you needed the first down, you know, Roger leaned toward me, going to me in those situations. Yeah. But to answer your question about combinations today, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer that. Let's see what happens through the season. You got a lot of quarterbacks in transition uh, this offseason and that type of thing. Got a lot of new quarterbacks stepping up on offenses you know how can I predict anything that Philly's going to do with Jalen Hurts and their quarter receivers uh last year the Redskins played what about eight quarterbacks <laughs> yeah. not, right. not that many. <laughs> probably <laughs> about six lot, or
2: seven know? for sure but yeah. they, they played three in that playoff loss to to Tampa Bay right
0: <laughs> yeah there you go and now they got Ryan Fitzpatrick so who's he, he's doing their throat to is he going to be working with those young receivers that he has so It's hard to uh, say who's going to be uh, that best combination or uh, that's going to uh, dominate the NFL this season.
2: And you brought up, Philly. you brought up Washington. I look at the NFC East, and it really seems like a three-team race between the Cowboys, the Giants, and Washington to 10 wins. I think the Eagles have a little bit ways to go in terms of building up the talent of their roster. But when you look at that division right now, who wins it? Who's representing the NFC East as division champs come January?
0: If I looked at it right now looked at all the rosters and what went on in the offseason and all that kind of stuff, I'd pick the Cowboys. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a homer. I think they're in best shape at quarterback. I think they're in best shape in offensive line, uh, receivers. Uh, you know, Mike McCarthy's in his second season now. He's a Super Bowl coach, you know. So, I mean, I I like the Cowboys. Uh, the Redskins, you know, they're bringing in new people. They're trying. I, I really uh, respect them. I really respect Ron Rivera and his coaching ability, uh, for, and especially for what he did last season. You know, he did it mostly uh, with defense last season, you know, and that's why they had any kind of success. Uh, is Daniel Jones up in uh, uh, in uh, New York with Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator? Is that a good match, you know? Uh, is that working? I don't think so to this point. Will it take a step in the right direction this season? Let's see. Uh, Philadelphia hurts. Is he is he going to be the man? Uh, so I think the team that's sitting in the best position going into this season, uh, I take the Cowboys. I take the Cowboys.
2: That's a great point because continuity helps so much. Before I let you go, Drew, and this has been a lot of fun. Let's have a little bit of fun real quick here. Let's look back to that moment in Philadelphia during the NFL draft. You're on the Rocky steps at the Philadelphia museum of art. You're taunting the crowd, ranting and raving, getting everybody going in the Philadelphia fan base, just in true Philadelphia fashion, the booze got louder and louder and louder. You could probably hear them in South Jersey by the time you got done (laughs) announcing the Cowboys pick. What was that moment like for you? And when you, did you decide, okay, I'm going to do it this way when I get up on stage? Please welcome-
0: I knew what I was going to say because on a plane ride going up there, uh, I wrote out what I wanted to say because I was going to first of all, I was going to take advantage of this opportunity on national TV. You know, we receivers, you know, I'm not to just go out there and read a card and come right back. I'm going to try to milk the moment. You know, that's what we wide receivers do. Uh, So but I was honored that the Cowboys had selected me to make this choice because there's so many great Cowboy players, Hall of Famers, Ring of Honor guys, other guys that are very deserving of that honor and privilege to do that. So I wanted to do the Cowboys right. So that's why I wrote out what I wanted to say. But I didn't have any idea that I would deliver it that way until after the commissioner came back and announcing me as the next uh, uh, presenter for, for the Cowboys next pick. And the booze started coming then. I said, Oh Lord. And the commissioner comes back and says, Drew, are you ready for this? I said, Commissioner, I'm used to being booed in Philadelphia. This ain't no big deal. And I said, <laughs> as a matter of, I said to the commissioner, as a matter of fact, I should say, if it wasn't for the Eagles, I wouldn't have had a career in the NFL. And the commissioner said, Say that, say it, say it. And that's, so <laughs> anyway, as I am walking around the Uh, down off the stage, uh, the back room there and heading down the uh, stage to the podium, you know, that's when the uh, booze started coming. Uh, They've been, you know, Eagle fans. You know, I've had over the years when I played, I kind of had a a little battle with them. I used to give it to them, you know, when we had a little success out there on the field and they used to give it to me when the Eagles had success. So anyway, I, I would think they knew this was the wrong guy to uh, provoke <laughs> in a way that they did. And by the time I got to the podium, I was just so fired up. I was just fired up. If somebody would have thrown me a cheesesteak mat, I would have caught that baby and spiked it right on the stage. <laughs> and Onions and cheese and, and everything, steak and everything would go flying. But by the time I got to the podium, I was fired up. So, And then the crowd was so loud. And I should know better because I'm in the TV business, been doing that kind of stuff for years. And you're always taught initially, the mic always picks you up. You don't have to yell into the mic, uh, but the the noise and the crowd. You forgot that yelled. lesson that night. <laughs> <laughs> I started yelling into the mic and that's when the emotions came out. And I said what I said. That's what I planned on saying it, but I didn't plan on delivering it that way. It just came out that way. And now, you know, for a guy that was an undrafted free agent at a Tulsa University, 17 rounds of the draft, 452 players. And now you're noted for the draft, okay? (laughs) You know, you're the guy for the draft. You know, my kids, my grandson after that, you know, he said, Grandpa, I didn't know you were Drew Pearson. You know, (laughs) he's like, because now I'm noted for for the draft and not so much for catching a Hail Mary. But it was a great experience and something that uh, brought up now and when I'm introduced, Uh, at events when I'm doing a presentation or a speech or something like that. They used to play the Hail Mary play, but now they play that draft day speech. So that's how I'm intro nowadays.
2: Pretty amazing how it goes full circle. An undrafted free agent to now. You're best known by a whole generation, it seems, by that speech at the NFL draft. And speaking of Hail Marys, Drew, tell me about what you have going on at HailMaryNFTs.com.
0: Yeah, you know, the NFTs, this uh, digital art uh, memorabilia has really taken off. And a lot of guys are having a lot of success with it. So Roger and I and this company, Ellipsis, uh, got together to uh, create a uh, digital art piece with the Hail Mary. And uh, we're going to take it to auction uh, on August 21st with the Heritage Auction House. And uh, if you're interested, you can go to HailMaryNFT.com to check it out and uh, submit your bid. Uh, but it's another way to commemorate the Hail Mary play and commemorate it uh, in a way where Roger and I are part of the commemoration. Uh, so it's something that's uh, valued nowadays. Now, if you ask me what it all means and how this digital art is, why it takes off, I have no idea, okay? What NFT, functional- uh, un- non functional token, no idea. That-
2: yeah, non-fungible I does, token i, I don't, know, I don't that. know that there i don't know that there's a definition out there <laughs>
0: right right that's what i'm saying but i do know there's a market for it, and i do know we have something of value that can satisfy that market so go to uh, uh Hail and check it out
2: Best of luck with Hail Mary nft.com Drew, and congratulations again on making the Hall of Fame well-deserved. Certainly going to be tuning in to the speech next week. Everybody can go ahead and follow Drew Pearson on Twitter at 88 Pearson. Drew, appreciate the time of man. Congratulations. I look forward to keeping in touch further up the road.
0: Yeah, good stuff. I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me on. Go Cowboys. <laughs>
2: That was certainly a lot of fun with Cowboys legend Drew Pearson. And I don't know about you, but I will be tuning in to his Hall of Fame acceptance speech next week. I've got to hear if he sneaks in the line about catching one more pass from Roger Stahlbach into his acceptance speech into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. On the other side, I'll let you know my sleeper team to keep an eye on in the 2021 season. And we'll wrap it all up right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed.
1: Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app, and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo show and there's one team that I think people might have been talking about a little bit too much during this offseason based on what we've seen through the first week of training camp and one team that might not be getting enough attention going into the 2021 campaign and let's start with the team that I think could be flying just a little bit under the radar right now. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Because if you talk to people around the league, there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of excitement about Joe Burrow going into his second season. Last week, you heard Mike Tannenbaum talk about how they could make a move, the Bengals could, with Burrow if he's fully healthy. But you sit down and you start to look at that offense. And you look at the fact that you dropped Jamar Chase out of LSU, who was, if you talk to people around the LSU program, and if you talk to executives inside the league, a far better, more polished, more athletic prospect than Justin Jefferson was coming out of LSU. You dropped Jamar Chase into the Bengals offense, reuniting him with Burrow after everything they did together at LSU, into an offense with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, and you have three receivers who could be 1,000-plus, 1,500-yard receivers. You have a quarterback who showed you last year why he was the number one overall pick, certainly right in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year with Justin Herbert before he got hurt, and if he's fully healthy and if he makes the leap in year two like we saw a Josh Allen make like we've seen Patrick Mahomes make in his first season as a starter if Joe Burrow makes that kind of leap in year two coming off of an injury with even more weapons I'm not saying that the Bengals are going to win the AFC North because that's one of the more competitive divisions in football I love the Browns, and we've talked a lot about their receiver trio. We've talked a lot about their their running back duo. We've talked a lot about Baker Mayfield. You look at Pittsburgh, and they're a significant question mark, in my opinion, even with guys like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver. It all comes down to Ben Roethlisberger, even with Najee Harris and Patrick Fryermuth. It all comes down to what Roethlisberger is at this stage of his career. But I look at the Bengals and I think they can make some noise. I think they could be a team that fights for a wildcard berth in the AFC. Now, the AFC is is a, a far higher mountain to climb than the NFC. When you talk about having the Chiefs and the Browns and the Bills and the Steelers and the Titans and all of these teams in the AFC, it's a much tougher mountain to climb than it is in the NFC. But if the Bengals go, you know, 10 and 7 or so, and they they split with the Steelers, maybe sweep them, split with the Baltimore Ravens and figure out a way to keep Lamar Jackson from beating them on the ground. If they steal a couple of games here and there with a last place schedule, who's to say they can't sneak into the playoffs? And I love what they've built over there. I really do. Now, the team that I think that was getting a lot of attention and a lot of optimism, and for good reason, based on what they did this offseason, that might not live up to the hype, it's the Giants. And now I saw the first practice of training camp, and now I understand it's only one day, but you follow along some of the great reporters on that beat, and the first three practices of training camp have not gone well. For the Giants. And you look at Daniel Jones really struggling big time to get on the same page with Kenny Galladay. Galladay dropping a couple of passes on day one. You look at the fact that it is only July and maybe it takes some solace there, but Kadarius Tony, the first round rookie receiver hasn't gotten on the field, still coming out of the COVID-19 protocol. Saquon Barkley, again, I'm not going to worry if I'm the Giants if I don't see him during the preseason. And it seems like he's making progress and how he's been able to move on the side and kind of ramping up the conditioning and the agility drills and all of that. But this season for the Giants isn't about competing for a Super Bowl. It isn't about necessarily going to the postseason. It's about figuring out if Daniel Jones is the guy. The Giants went out. They committed $45.5 million guaranteed over four years to Gallaudet. They brought in Kyle Rudolph at tight end to bolster the red zone offense, which was among the worst in the NFL. And they have an offensive line where Shane Lemieux got hurt. Now, initial reports are it's not season-ending, and the worst-case scenario had been avoided. But you don't need your starting left guard getting hurt in the first week of training camp and you don't need your quarterback certainly Daniel Jones struggling to get on the same page with Kenny Galladay and a lot of the optimism about the Giants making waves in the NFC East was this being year two for Jones in Jason Garrett's system this being year three for Jones in the NFL Kenny Galladay being the best wide receiver he's ever worked with a, a dynamic offense with a lot of talent at all of the skill positions but through the first couple practices, it certainly seems like Jones is dialing in to Sterling Shepard, which is fine. It, it, it's it's the old, you know, favorite pair of running shoes. You put them on because they feel good and you're used to them. Galladay and Jones don't have that chemistry yet. But if Daniel Jones is throwing interceptions in the red zone like he did on Friday to Logan Ryan, and if the offense is sputtering out and Kenny Galladay is dropping passes and the quarterback isn't even looking his way. Those could be chinks in the armor. Those could be cracks in the expectations. And I don't know that the Giants live up to them. Watching that practice, the first practice of training camp, again, it's only day one. It's a long way between now and September and certainly a long way towards the end of the season. I don't know that the Giants live up to the hype. I do think the Bengals can make some waves and make some moves in the AFC. A lot of fun. Really enjoyed this show. Great conversation. Thanks to Drew Pearson for dropping by. Thanks to Cole Thompson of Fansided for all he does behind the scenes getting this podcast up and running. Again, if you like what you hear, I'd really love it if you go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast store to the Stack in the Box podcast. Leave those five-star reviews in there for the Matt Lombardo show inside Apple Podcasts. It helps grow the show. Let me know what you like about the podcast, what you don't, and any guests you might want to hear me. Try to get on, I'll go out and try to get them and get their thoughts on the podcast. Until next week, I'm Matt Lombardo. We'll talk to you next week, right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside Fan Sided Stacking the Box podcast feed.
1: Coverage from progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.